Okay, so we are learning Tanya, and we are holding by Perik Zayin, by chapter 7. Um, and it's been a couple of weeks, so let's give a very quick, just um, back uh, backdrop over here to where we're holding in the sequence of the Tanya events, right? Um, so, and actually it's, uh, we're just around the areas where we're, uh, we're studying the daily Tanya, the Chitas and Tanya is also chapter 6, chapter 7, so we're right in the right spot over here. So, Tanya began, chapter, chapter 1, and it uh, discussed a number of points about what a tzaddik is, and a benini, and the rasha, the different types of people. And he said, to understand it, we have to understand the building of our souls, of our being as a, as a yid, as Kal Yisrael. And he said, based on the writings of the Arizal, given over by his Talmud, disciple of Chaim Vital, that every yid is made up of two souls, he called them the nefesh elokis, the godly soul, the nefesh abahamis, the animal soul, or the natural soul, that makes us up. And in the end of chapter one, very briefly, he dealt with the animal soul and some of its major, uh, some of its uh, midos and the four elements. That was the end of chapter one. In chapter two, he introduced us to the godly soul, the nefesh hashenis Yisrael, the second soul by a Jew, is chelik elokami mal mamish, a part of Hashem Himself. That was chapter two. He talked about the essence of the godly soul and the way it develops into all different types of levels of people, uh, the development of the godly soul. Um, and that was chapter 2. Chapter 3 talked about the soul powers, the eser kochos hanefesh, the ten soul powers, the makeup of the soul, the uh, intellect, the emotions. That was chapter 3. Chapter 4 talked about the garments of the soul, the expressions of the soul, thought, speech, and deed. Right? And that was chapter 4. And he talked about how through the expressions of the thought, through the thought, speech, and deed, that's really the mitzvahs that we do and the Torah that we learn, that connects us to Hashem, so that the garments of the soul have a very strong power, the um, expressions, because the expressions of the godly soul is the way that the godly soul connects to Hashem himself through the mitzvahs. Chapter 5 was Torah, the special connection to Hashem that happens through Torah. Um, we talked about Torah versus mitzvahs, being the food of the soul, the garments of the soul, that which we take in internally, that which surrounds us and encompasses us. That was chapter 5. Right? Am I doing this right so far? So far so good? Okay. So chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5 were devoted to the godly soul, its makeup, its soul powers, its garments, and the Torah and mitzvahs that we connect to Hashem through. That, was, that took us till the end of chapter 5. In chapter 6, we started the other side, talking about the animal soul. And... Chapter 6 was really a, a lesson of Klipa versus Kedusha. That everything in this world is either holy, which means connected directly and in a revealed way to Hashem, or unholy, which means that it's not connected in a revealed way to Hashem. We talked, in the, and that was the last class that we had, I think it was three weeks ago, we talked about the fact that although we, we, we sometimes think about this world as black, white, and gray, right, the holy and the unholy and the things that are in the middle, Tanya doesn't accept that notion. In Tanya, there's not black, white, and gray, there's black and white. Either something is connected to Hashem or it's not. And Kedusha means something that is directly connected to Hashem. And if something is not directly connected to Hashem, it's not Kedusha, it's called Sitra Achara, which means the other side. The other side. It's Kedusha or the other side. Those are the two sides. Now, to be sure, and that's where the name Klippa comes in, to be sure everything has to be connected to Hashem because everything comes from Hashem. And everything is brought into existence by Hashem, not only once in the beginning of creation, but constantly. Which means everything must have some divinity in it. 
So what does it mean when something is holy or unholy? And that's why the name klipa is so important. Klipa means a shell that is covered over. And something which is not holy means that the godliness in it is totally covered over. It's not apparent um, or it's not transparent. We cannot see the godliness in something. That makes it unholy. And that's what chapter 6 told us, that anything that's not directly connected to Hashem is unholy, is the other side. Um, and because Kedusha is only something that's bottled, that's, that's nullified, or that's clearly connected to Hashem. That was the basic idea of chapter 6. And therefore, the animal soul, which has its animal desires, and natural desires, and selfish desires, all of that is not godly. That was the story of chapter 6. Which brings us to where we, we're going to learn tonight, and that is the beginning of chapter 7. And chapter 7 is a continuation of that concept, but a very, very important continuation. And that is, that though it's true what we said in the earlier chapter, that there is either holy or unholy, nevertheless, in unholiness, there's two distinctly different levels. And that is, it's extremely important to understand this. We touched upon it last class, and tonight is where he really expands upon it. Because there is within all types of klipa, all types of unholiness, two basic levels or, or, or two basic categories. One is an unholiness which is forbidden. The word forbidden in Hebrew is asr. But what's another meaning for that word asr in Hebrew? Is to be tied down, right? Le'asr is to tie, to tie a knot. That which is forbidden means that it's tied down. And then there's everything that is permissible. The word for permissible in Hebrew is mutter, which also means to be untied. It's not tied down. And that's the difference between something that's forbidden versus something that's permissible. They're both not holy necessarily, right? But one is tied down and one is not tied down. And what does that mean? So this is where he introduces us to the concept called Klipas Noga. Klipas Noga, Klipa, I'm sorry, it's the, the Klipa is still Klipa, it's a shell. It's the godliness is covered over, but it's the type of Klipa which is not tied down to Klipa, doesn't have to remain in the realm of Klipa. It's easily transformed and brought into the realm of Kedusha. Uh, Klipas Noga is called a Klipa that has good and bad mixed into itself, or holiness and unholiness mixed into itself. And it's up to us, what are we going to do with this particular item? Are we going to bring it into the realm of Kedusha? Or are we going to leave it in the realm of Klipa and even sink it to a deeper level within Klipa than it is on its own? What are we saying at practical levels? On practical levels, we're talking about the vast majority of this world. Most things in this world are not a sin, and they're not holy. Most things in this world, most foods in this world, most situations in this world, most types of uh, business, most things that, we, that people do are not forbidden. But they're not a mitzvah. They're not kedusha. So what are they? What are they? Based on what we said earlier, every, there's only two categories in this world. There's either holy or unholy. So anything that's unholy, I'm sorry, anything that's not holy is klipa. Anything that's not holy is unholy, which is klipa. But what type of klipa is it? So there are those things that are the klipa that is usr. It's forbidden. It's tied down. It's a klipa that's not going to be brought into Kedusha. 
The rest of the world, and again, the majority of the world, is a klipa that can be brought up to Kedusha. If used properly, and used for the right intention, and used in the right way, this can become Kedusha. And this is really what life is all about, right? Most of life, as I said, is not when we're actively involved in doing mitzvahs or actively involved in learning Torah. And definitely most of life is hopefully not involved in doing Averis. So what is most of life involved with doing? Regular stuff, mundane stuff. And it's up to us to turn that into an act of Kedusha or to the contrary, to take the energy that we're dealing with and bring it and, and make it more into, sink it more into Klippa than it was on its own. So for the simplest example is food. Take fruit, food, right? All food, which is kosher. All kosher food that's, that's permissible to eat. Why does one eat it? So if one eats it because of gluttony, because they're desirous, because it tastes good, and that's all they think about is the good taste of it. So then not only do they not elevate that food, but rather the energy of that food was just, just sunk deeper into klipa. Because I used it for the opposite purpose of why Hashem wants me to use it for on the other hand, if someone uses food because that gives them energy, and with that energy they're able to serve Hashem better, do what we're supposed to be doing, they're able to live a, a life according to Torah, according to mitzvahs, a life connected to Hashem, then that food just became food of a mitzvah. The best example for that is, or the most extreme example for that is, food on Shabbos and Yom Tov, where those delicious foods would ever become an actual mitzvah. But Shabbos and Yom Tov is extreme, but even during the weekday, when we eat the food and that energizes us properly to do what Hashem wants from us, to serve Hashem as we do every day, then that food all becomes a mitzvah. So if you eat too much, then it's a sin. It's not a sin. Sin is not the right word over here. You're not, you're not elevating the food. And therefore, this is now an act of klipa. It's not a sin. Because eating too much kosher food is not the same as eating tray food. Okay. Right, and we'll talk. We'll talk about the practical difference about that shortly. So, it's, which category does this fall into? F kosher food is klipas noga. Okay. That means it's a klipa that can be transformed into kedusha, uh -huh. or can be left in klipa. Okay. Right, or even be sunk deeper into klipa because I had negative intentions, uh -huh. but it's still never going to be become forbidden foods. And again, we'll see soon the difference between that. Okay. So Klipas Noga is the vast majority of foods. I want to mention a few points of Gemara that he mentions here in this chapter. Interesting stories. Um, he quotes a Gemara, attracted Baba Kama, where the Amoraim, the sages of the Talmud, are talking, and you have Rava and Rav Nachman. Again, these are famous sages of the Talmud. And Rava asks Rav Nachman a question, a halachic question, a question and theft and payment. It's a, a very technical legal question in the Gemara, and they're discussing it. And Rav Nachman gives a response, and Rava asks, and they sort of end up that um, Rav Nachman's position was challenged, and he didn't have a good answer. It says, he says, let's talk tomorrow morning. They talked in the morning, and then Rav Nachman changed his position. He says, I'm sorry, I didn't explain it correctly yesterday. And now I'm going to explain it correctly. And he says, the reason why he wasn't able to explain it correctly last night is because I hadn't eaten properly yesterday. He says, last night after we finished our studies, I went home and I ate properly. I was able to think it over and I was able to think of it on a whole different level, on a clearer level. So here we have even sages of the Gemara. We're talking about tremendous tzaddikim. 
And he's saying, because I didn't eat properly, my mind wasn't working well. And it's interesting, the, 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 uh, the wording he uses, I didn't have uh, good meat. <laughs> Last night I went home and we had a good fleshing a supper and I was able to think better and now I understand this concept better. And Tanya the Altar ever references that, that the sages of the Gemara were trying to give us a lesson. That eating, sometimes we look at eating, oh, it's just, you know, it's, it's very mundane and very physical. And here they're saying that the, the actual teachers of Torah of Gemara were saying, when I eat properly, I'm able to think properly, I'm able to teach properly. Right? Um, a different Gemara that he quotes is the Gemara Tractat of Erevin. And it talks there about drinking wine. So you have Rav Yehuda says in the name of Shmuel, he says that if a person drinks a revius, a revius is a couple of ounces of wine, so he's not fit to paskin a question. You drink wine, so then you become a little inebriated, you can't think properly, you can't paskin. So Rav Nachman says, I don't understand. He says, only when I'm able to drink wine do I think better. So they're, they're discussing over there, is wine something that's helpful in thinking or hurtful in thinking, depends how much you drink. The point is that the very mundane things that we think of, whether it's drinking wine or eating meat, is something that can be used properly in a way that helps us learn and daven and be happier people. And then it goes on and says, not just because one needs to eat, so therefore, you know, if you're not, if you're emaciated, you can't think. Even to put one in a better frame of mind. Telling a joke. Is telling a joke holy or unholy? Right? Telling a joke. Doing something that just makes me happier. Putting on music. Putting on good clothing. Things that naturally help me be in a, help a person be in a better frame of mind. All of those things can be positive and can be mitzvahs. He quotes a very interesting Gemara, that's a third Gemara that I'm going to mention here. The Gemara says in Tractate Shabbos. Um, again, a discussion of the sages of the Talmud, of Yehudas, the, Yehuda, the son of Shmuel, says in the name of Rav. He says, the Chachamim were reading the book of Kohelas. Kohelas is the book from, one of the books of Shlema HaMelech. And he says, the Chachamim, there were things over there that seemed to be so um, contradictory. And it goes through a number of different teachings of Kehelos that seem to be um, contradictory. And one of, this, one of the statements of Shlomo Malachi says, excuse me, V'shibachti anies ha-simcha. On the one hand, he says, I praise happiness, to be in a happy frame of mind. On the other hand, there's a plastic that says, U'l'simcha maze ose. What's the point of just that extra happiness? So within the book of Kehelos, we have these Sukim that seem to be quite contradictory, is being in a good mood. How important is that? Being in a happy frame of mind. And again, one person, for one person, it's music that does it. For another person, uh, uh, needs uh, something, something tasty to eat or whatever, just to put them in a good frame of mind. So Shlomo Mala says, sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative. And the Gemara talks about it, and it says, there's simcha shel mitzvah, and there's simcha she'eno shel mitzvah. There's simcha that's for a positive reason that brings about better feeling and therefore better behavior or even better frame of mind to understand things better, to discuss things better. And then there's simcha that just makes one frivolous. And it's the same good mood, but where does that good mood bring one? He says, Lulamedcha, I'm reading from the Gemara again, she'en shechina shoreh. The Shekhinah cannot rest on a person who's sad or lazy. Rather, Simcha Shal Mitzvah. And he says something interesting. We find by the Nevi'im, 
that when they wanted to give nivul, when they wanted to prophesize, what did they do? One was one of the things that they did. They had a musician come and play music. Right? What, what was where did David Hamalach get his first, get his first job? Playing the harp. Playing the harp for his father-in-law Shaul. Because Shaul HaMelech was in a bad mood, he was depressed sometimes, and he was a Navi, Shaul HaMelech, and he needed a harpist. He needed someone to put him in a better frame of mind in order that he be a vessel for the Shekhinah, for the divine messages of Nevuah to come to him. And that was something that the Nevi'im, it says the Nevi'im would have musicians by them just to play music in order to put them in a frame of mind. Today, most of us don't walk around with musicians, but we have music. Now, so, so music, just to turn on music to hear a good song or a good music, something that I enjoy, something that makes me in a better frame of mind, that could be a vehicle for Shekhinah, for Shekhinah, for Kedusha, if used in that way. And then the Gemara says the same thing is for learning Torah. And it says something amazing, quoted here in Tanya. It says, Rabba, again, one of the greatest sages of the Talmud, before he would give a shir, before he would give a lecture, he would say a joke. Right? So that's not something that was made up by the modern rabbis in the shuls. It goes back in the Gemara. That, that, and that's, I'll read from the words of the Gemara. He says, mm-hmm. Before he began teaching the Rabbanim, the rabbis, Omar Milsa Dibdichusa. He would say something that was lighthearted, something that was funny. Ubadhi Rabbanan. The Rabbanan would laugh. And then, Yosef Be'emsa, Pasach Bishmaitsa, then he got very serious and they started learning. But what does that tell us? So is joking a good thing or joking around, good or bad? Good. It depends what you're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. If joking around, if the purpose is that we should sit around all night and just make jokes and laugh, that's frivolousness. That's very negative. But if it's used to put us in a better frame of mind, and therefore we're able to learn Torah, therefore we can do Nevoah, therefore one can dive in better. As long as it's used in that way, it's something that becomes a vehicle to Kedusha. And therefore, joking, food, wine, these are various examples that the Gemara itself is talking about. But if we open our minds to this, these examples are endless. In our life, there's so many things that fall under under that category that it could become a vehicle for Kedusha or it could remain a vehicle of Klippa. So, we have this, again, very vast and broad area of klipa called klipa snoga, which I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this again, is the majority of what goes on in this world. The majority of the things in this world are not averas and not mitzvahs. They're just things. They're just mundane situations or foods or clothing or music or all of the above. And it's up to us, what are we going to use it for? Now, so when we use it for Kedusha, for holy purposes, we're bringing it upward, bringing it into the realm of Kedusha. So that food that one used, that music that one listened to, those clothing that one wore, whatever it was that the person used to bring, to help them in serving Hashem better, is being uplifted and becoming part of Kedusha. What if a person uses it for its negative, for a negative purpose? What does negative mean? I'm just eating and drinking just for the sake of the pleasure of eating and drinking because I'm a gluttony. A person's putting, uh, wearing the clothing, music, just to get into, just to have a good time. Just to have a good time. Just to, so what happens now? What happens is that, that the energy of that food or drink or clothing or music, whatever, is brought downward 
into the realm of the negative klipas. Right? So this klipas noga is, is the middle. It's klipa, but it's a klipa that can go up or it could go down, depending on the intention of the person and the usage of the person. Why and how a person is using it. It can be brought upward, it can be brought downward. So what's with the tied down and the not tied down? Right. So, and I'll get to that. Okay. So what happens when we bring it downward? Okay, so a person um, ate and drank just for gluttonous purposes. So now the energy of that food or that drink was brought downward, and it's in the bottom level, what we call the shalosh klipas atmeos, which is the things that are forbidden. Yet, it's still never tied down in the same way, because it wasn't an avera. Even when one ate for gluttonous purposes, so it wasn't holy and it wasn't um, uplifted and wasn't transformed, elevated, it was pushed downward. It still never became a sin. It's not like eating something that Torah says you're not allowed to eat. So therefore, it's much easier to elevate that and bring it back into the realm of Kedusha. How? Through tshuva. Through basic tshuva. When a person says, you know what? All this gluttony and all this just, I want to become back, serve Hashem properly. I want to, I want to reconnect to Hashem and, and, um, and refocus myself, my energies. So I want to do, I want to come closer to Hashem again. It's easily, it's then easily rectified, easily brought back. Those energies that were, so to, so to say, pushed down because the person didn't use them properly are easily brought back up because they're still not tied down. We go back to that basic distinction between something that's permissible versus something that's forbidden. Forbidden means it's tied down. It means I have no way of bringing it up into Kedusha. Something that's permissible, A, I can, the first time around, just bring it straight up into Kedusha by using it properly. Even if one used it negatively and therefore didn't elevate it, not only that, they even pushed it down. Nevertheless, although it's down, it's not tied down. And therefore, through basic tshuva, it can be brought back up, it can be transformed and brought into Kedushan. Now, he does make a mention, he says, it's going to leave some negative mark on the person. When a person used something negatively, in other words, something permissible, but used for not for holy reasons, and pushed it down into klipa, that leaves certain spiritual scars on the soul and body, which have to be dealt with later. And that's what, you know, afterlife and different types of... Um, ways of cleansing the soul and body because for the period of time that one used it negatively, it, um, you know, it leaves a star. It, it leaves a scar, it leaves a spiritual stain even after it's um, brought back up. But the idea, though, that's a, that's a footnote, it's a point in time, he makes a point of that, but the general idea he's trying to tell us is that this um, category of klipa, which is permissible, not tied down, a, again, A, can, can be initially used in the right way and turns into something of Kedusha and holiness. And even if it wasn't used properly in the right way, can easily be brought back through basic tshuva, which, which uh, so, so to speak, returns. Returns the energies of those permissible items or activities that were pushed down into Klippa are easily brought back into the realm of Kedusha through basic Shuva. All of that is when we're dealing with Klippa Snoka. I'll mention um, in, in that context one idea that um, 
from the last last week's uh, Torah portion. <coughs> we have the uh, you know the, the whole saga of the Shvatim and Yosef, and the, you know the ten tribes come down to Mitzrayim to see Yosef, and Yosef uh, gets them to bring Binyamin down to Mitzrayim, and now he's down there. And as we know, the story of the Chumash, the very uh, fascinating story, that Yosef ultimately hides his silver goblet in Binyamin's belongings, and then the brothers all leave, and he sends afterward uh, after them a guard or whatever, he chases them, finds them, and he finds that goblet in Binyamin's belongings, and he accuses them of theft. So the Shvatim, they say a very interesting expression. They say, Chalila um, me'avodecha. How do we translate Chalila in simple English? Uh, so that, that exactly is what we're talking about. But the words they say is Chalila. We say Chas v'chalila, right? Chalila v'odecha masos kadavar We would never do something like this. But what does the word Chalila really mean? The word Chalila. So Rashi says, Chalila's chulim, which means it's mundane. Like there's Kodesh and there's Chol, right? Kodesh is holiness and Chol is mundane. So they say it's mundane for us to act in this way. Now, they're talking about theft. And they say, is that the word they can, the, you know, the worst thing, the worst word they can think of is something is mundane? It's, it's wrong. It's forbidden. It's, it's theft. But they said it's Chol. It's mundane. And the idea being that for the Shvatim, who are true tzaddikim, for them, anything that wasn't holy, if it's mundane, it's negative. Right? And ultimately, the Rebbe ties the whole sikh on it, and he talks about it, that really the, it's a message for all of us that as a Yid, we have to understand, we have to know, we're in this world for a reason. And our, the reason we're here is for Kedusha. We have, we have a, a soul that comes from heaven, specially from Shemayim, comes into our body with a mission. And the mission of our Neshama is to bring Kedusha into this world. And we can do that every minute of the day. And because we could do that not only by mitzvahs and by terror, we could do that in eating, and we do that in drinking, we do that in our work, we do that in our social life. In every area, something that helps us and is used in the proper way as part of being a servant of Hashem, part of Avodas Hashem, that is, is something that brings Kedusha into the world. And anything that has no Kedusha connection for us is Chalila. It's something that's it's mundane and therefore negative for a Yid. Again, it's not an Avera. We're not talking about Averas. But we, have, we get that mindset that we are here in this world for a purpose. We're, we're a neshama that comes into this world. And the purpose is to bring Kedusha into ourselves, into our homes, into our families, into our lives. Then everything becomes part of that. And everything that we do becomes part of that Aveda of bringing things up to Hashem. And even if sometimes we don't, as we just learned, it's easily rectified. Because as long as it's not something that's usr, that's forbidden, we have the ability of doing a basic tshuva and bringing it back up to Hashem. That is all as far as klipas noga is concerned. This, this category of klipa, which is, again, most things in this world that are not mitzvahs, but not forbidden. What about that which is forbidden? What about if um, a person did an avera? So a person did it. We'll just use a, we were talking a lot about food. So a person eats something that's unkosher. Now, could that be brought back to Hashem in any way? The energy there, there was energy in that food. There was chayis in that food. And there was energy in that eating. And there was energy that came into the person, right? A person ate food and now they 
We'll do mitzvahs with it, with that energy. Could that be brought to Kedusha? And the answer is no. That's why it's called Asr. Asr, which means forbidden, or which means tied down. It's tied down, so it can't really be brought back to Kedusha. The question is, okay, so is there a way? Because everything ultimately has in it a spark of Kedusha. As we said, every klipa, even the things that are totally forbidden, have within them something of Hashem, because that's how they're, they're in existence. Mm-hmm. So what's the story with things that are forbidden that a person did partake in mm-hmm. by mistake or not by mistake or for whatever reason, what's with them? So here in the chapter, he talks about two ways or two times that something that's totally forbidden also, that spark of Kedusha can be elicited and brought back into Kedusha. One is not something that you or I can do nowadays, but that's when Mashiach will come. When Mashiach will come, the Pasik says, Vesruach hatuma avir min ha'aretz. Which means that ultimately there will come a time that Hashem will remove the spirit of impurity from this earth. At that time when the spirit of impurity will be, will be totally removed from this world, everything, even those things that until then, their Kedusha is so hidden and so covered over and such a powerful shell that it can't be elicited, or it can't be um, brought up to Kedusha, at that time, everything will be revealed how it's connected to Kedusha. And that's, that's the, perhaps the biggest thing. When Mashiach comes, you know, Nigla Kod Hashem, the glory of Hashem will fully be revealed. And the Pasuk says, There will come a time when the spirit of impurity will be removed, so the klipa, the shell, the covering, will be removed, and Kedusha will be found in everything. It's interesting that when we think about not kosher. What's the most not kosher thing we could think about? Pig. pig. Always you think about pig, right? I'm not sure why the pig was zocha to that, <laughs> but we think about the, the worst thing not kosher. Okay. So, so we have here the Medr says, what's the Hebrew word for a, for a pig? Is a chazer. Why is it called a chazer? Says the Medrash, because asid lachzor. There will be a time when that too will return wow. to tara to purity, because everything ultimately has kedusha in it. So even that chazer, which is like the ultimate uh, symbol of, of not kosher food, asid ha-chazer litoyer will also become tar, will also become um, return. The word chazer means to return, lachzor, will also return to the realm of Kedusha when Mashiach will come. So we have this one more reason to want Mashiach to come, right? We'll be able to partake in those things that until, right? Okay. We don't need more reasons. There's plenty of reasons. Okay. But there's something even nowadays as well. How can a person, how is there nowadays the ability to transform even the Shalosh Klibas at Meos? So here we have a concept called Tshuva Me'ahava Rabba. It says, although there's, there's a lot of different types of Tshuva, a lot of basic levels of Tshuva, listen, a person for whatever reason says, I want, to, I want to return, I want to change my ways, I want to become better, more connected to Hashem. All of those Tshuvas work. Tshuva on any level of Tshuva, as long as it's sincere, um, is effective in reconnecting a person to Hashem and that the person won't be punished and so on and so forth. But for tshuva to accomplish that even those forbidden energies should be brought into the realm of Kedusha. In other words, one did an Avera. So when one did a sin, a couple things happened. First of all, a person did something wrong, so Hashem is angry at them and they need to be punished. That's all one step. But then there is that a person connected with a negative energy, an energy that's tied down into klipa. It says in the Gemara, 
that there is a certain level of tshuva that makes, the wording of the Gemara, that zdonos nasin lo kizachiyos, that one's sins are transformed into mitzvahs. That the sins themselves, that till now were something negative, a tshuva that's so powerful, when a person has this tremendous brokenheartedness from the sin, and a tremendous desire to connect to Hashem, it's called in the, in the language of the Gemara, tshuva me'ahava rabba, tshuva with a tremendous desire and yearning to connect to Hashem, and therefore tremendous brokenheartedness over the sinfulness, that's able to actually transform the negative act, the negative avera, the energy of that unkosher food or unkosher behavior or unkosher whatever it was, transform it totally and bring it out of its shell and reconnect it to Kedusha. The highest form of tshuva can affect today what Mashiach will affect when Mashiach will come, which is revealing or, or eliciting the Kedusha that's inherent even in Shalosh Klippas Atmeos. The question is, why does that work? Mm-hmm. How does that work? Why? But, but before, before the why and the how, it's important to, just, to, to have the clarity of the, of the chapter where he tells us the following. I'm, I want to just make a, you know, a drop repetitious. In general, that which is tied down remains tied down until Mashiach will come. We have the ability to deal with the klipas noga. Bring it up, bring it down. Even after we bring it down, we bring it back up. That's what we've been discussing primarily. That which is forbidden is forbidden. If it's forbidden, it's tied down. If it's tied down, it's tied down. And the Mashiach will change that. The one exception is if a person in this world reaches these, what's called the highest levels of tshuva, tshuva me'ava rabba, when a person has that level of longing to connect to Hashem and that level of brokenheartedness for the disconnect, then they're even able to elicit those deepest klipas and reveal the kedusha within them or bring them back into the realm of kedusha. And this is really what the Gemara means when it says, that there's certain things that a Balchuva is able to accomplish that even a Tzadik cannot. And that's what it's referring to, this concept of transforming something from total forbiddenness and total being tied down and bringing that energy back into Kedusha. The reason that works, the way the Altarev explains it here in Tanya, is because what causes this person that tremendous desire to connect to Hashem? Sometimes it was the bad thing itself when a person falls so low. I think there's something about like when you hit rock bottom, right? When you fall so low, that becomes the biggest catalyst to push away from that, run away from that, and try to reconnect to Hashem. Uh, using, using the wording that it says in Hasidus in different places, it says, you can't compare someone who's running towards life versus someone who's running away from death. When you're running from a danger, you run fastest. When one feels, when one falls so low that they, they've been so disconnected and so disengaged and they feel totally torn away from Hashem and therefore they're, they have this powerful desire to reconnect. So then that desire to reconnect is stronger even than the desire of a tzaddik to connect to Hashem. The tzaddik was never so far. He never hit rock bottom. So he doesn't have that burning desire and need to connect to Hashem like that Balshuva coming from that negative place. But it, wouldn't, it would seem that that Balshuva wouldn't be doing that out of Ava. Right. Or out of fear. Because that rock bottom is pretty bad. Okay, so there is, that's, a good, that's a good point. So there is the fear of just being in a bad place. But that's just to get away from the bad place. 
But the desire to connect to Hashem, that, that desire, because I was so far, it's like the thirst of someone who's in the desert. David Amal talks about that in Tehillim. He says that my thirst to Hashem is like, like someone who's in a desert, in a parched land, and I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm in a place in the shade of death. I'm, I'm in a desert, and I'm thirsty for water. So there's the desire for water of the one who's so, so distant. A person who's not in the desert, okay, I'll have some water. I don't need it. But the person who's so parched and so far and so, I don't have anything, has that desire to connect and the desire for the water more so than the one who was never in the desert. So that's the Ava side. I want to connect because I'm so far, I'm so distant, I feel so dry, I feel so parched. So what, what turns out is that that Avera, that sinfulness, really becomes a catalyst in bringing me closest to Hashem. And that's why the Avera were able to somehow find the goodness, the Kedusha within the Avera that brought me mm-hmm. to, the, to the highest places. You know, sometimes it's the lowest place that pushes me, that brings me to the highest place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, many of the uh, Shluchim who are in India tell of, you know, Israeli backpackers who in Israel they had so many, uh, you know, uh, abilities to, to go to a shul and connect, but they didn't. And they come to the worst places and the far, furthest places and the lowest places and suddenly they're, they find a need to connect, to connect to Hashem. So some of the lowest places became the catalyst to bring them to the highest place. And that's what he says here in Tanya, that sometimes when a person reaches that level of, 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 of tshuva, that powerful level of tshuva, me'avarab again as the Gemara calls it, so then one is able to even transform and elevate the, the, um, the worst klipas into Kedusha. There's a, uh, there's a word. I think it was Rebbe Levi who said it, I think. And that is in, um, in Chumash, when it talks about the Yom Tev of uh, Sukkot, it says, on the, on the first day, so we take the Lul of an Esrog. And the question the Gemara says is, that's not the first day, it's the 15th day of the month, right? The f- it's, the Pasuk says, as if Shavuos, I'm sorry, as if Sukkot was Aleph Tishrei. But it's not, it's the 15th day of Tishrei. Why is it called Biyom HaRishon? It's Biyom HaChamisha Osar, the 15th day. So the Gemara says, Rishon L'Cheshbon Avonos. It's the first day of the new Cheshbon of Sins. What does that mean? So on a simple level, it means because Yom Kippur, everyone was absolved and everyone's uh, Averis got lost. And the next few days, everyone's too busy to sin. Somehow, some people find time. But therefore, Sukkot is the beginning of the new Chesh Benavamas. That's what the Gemara says. Which is a, an odd statement, but that's what the Gemara says. But the, the Holy Badishifer said a different shot. He said that on Rosh Hashanah Kippur, we all do tshuva, but we do tshuva from Yira. You know, it's Hashem, it's the judgment day, and we're nervous, and afraid we want to get a good year, do tshuva. Come Sukkot, Sukkot is Simcha, is Ava, we feel the connection to Hashem, so our tshuva comes to a whole different level. Now it's a tshuva out of desire to connect and longing to connect. Now we want to avonis, we want to count our sins. Because now the sins turn into mitzvahs. He says when a person does the highest level of tshuva, so the sins themselves turn into mitzvahs. He says that's what the Gemara meant, Rishon l'cheshbon avonos, because now the sins become positive things because they are the ones that lead us into connecting to Hashem in a greater and deeper way. Anyways, all of this is just a discussion of the Shalosh Klibos Atmeo. So we're, we're going to finish here, but to, to put it together, the, the majority of this parak is trying to teach us the concept of Klibos Noga. 
And again, Klipas Noga is most of what we are doing and should be doing are mundane involvements in this world. And all of that has the ability to be brought into Kedusha. And as I said, even when it falls down, and even when we didn't use it pos- positively, a basic tshuva is able to bring it down because it's never tied down. Then he said, there is the levels of klipa, which is shalosh klipa satmeos, that's already things that are forbidden, and therefore they're tied down, and therefore we don't have the ability to bring them to Kedusha, until Mashiach will come, esruach atuma avrim in aretz, which is, um, which is one concept, when Mashiach will come, or we talk about the idea of the tshuva me'avarabah, the tremendous levels of tshuva, that has the ability even to transform, or even to bring back the Shalosh Kibbutz the, the, uh, and bring them into Kedusha as well. I'll say one last point, which is going back to Klipas Noga, and that is in all those more mundane activities. When we use them negatively, Okay, so we eat just for gluttonous purposes, not L'shem Shemayim, and not to help us in our avod at all, just for gluttonous purposes, or anything that we do. So as we said, we're morid. We bring down that energy into klipa. So until we bring it back up, that energy was brought down into the level of Shalot Klipa Satmeos, into that which is totally impure. It's not tied there, but it's brought into that realm, into that level. Because right? we're talking about three levels. We're talking about the shalosh klipas atmeos, that's the bottom. Those are things that are like forbidden. There's klipas noga, which is the middle, and there's kedusha. When we use klipas noga negatively, we pulled it down and pushed it down into a place that is lower than it is on its own. It's not tied there. It can be brought back up, but it introduces us, it introduces that, that klipa to a lower level than it is on its own. Now, that has a negative impact on us because our klipa on its own, as a human being, we have a godly soul and an animal soul. Our animal soul is klipas noga. It's the middle level. Our animal soul on its own would not want to sin. It would just want to be selfish, self-centered, you know, to, you know uh, just uh, be gluttonous, but not to sin. But when we bring our klipa downward, when we use klipas noga in a negative way, we're introducing ourselves to a lower level of klipa, and suddenly the desire for sinfulness as well. Am I being clear? Mm-hmm. In other words, on our own, before we do anything, we have kedusha. That's wonderful, and we have klipas noga, which is the, the power. We're parav, right? It's klipa because it's not holy, but it's it's not doing averus. On our own, we wouldn't have the desire to do an avera, but. When we use klipas noga negatively, so we're introducing ourselves, we're bringing ourselves to the, to the basement, to the lower level. And that brings us to the desire for sinfulness. And that's the idea that klipas noga used negatively has a negative impact on us, bringing us to a place that on our own we wouldn't have been. And which is another good reason to try to keep our klipas noga going upward, not downwards. right? And we already mentioned in earlier classes how the uh, Pasuk, which says, is such a foundational part of Torah. Or the Mishnah that says, because these are really telling us, 
where the, traje- where the trajectory of our life should be. That everything, all the things, it's all okay as long as it's used properly in the right frame of mind and the right framework, then all of our klibas noga goes upward, affecting ourselves positively, the world positively, which is ultimately the, the purpose of everything, to be brought upward and brought into the realm of Kedusha. And that's why the vast majority of everything falls into this middle category of klibas noga, and it's our job to bring it upward rather than downward. Though, again... Even if we brought it downward, it's easier to bring it back up, but it's not a good place to be when we bring it downward. We want to initially bring everything upward, bring ourselves upward, the world upward, and ultimately bring Kedusha to everything in, our, in the world around us, ourselves in the world around us, which is the ultimate Kavana, as will be explained later in Tanya as well.